What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as always, my pal and yours, the great, the late, Louis Ezekiel. <laughs> Louis, my friend, I didn't mean to actually say you were dead. It just rhymed with great. Uh, apologies before you even say a word, but uh, also, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing all right. I am... Uh... Freshly, freshly off the uh, off the ship, bags in hand, bags under my eyes, and uh, I've tried to spend today uh, catching back up on all of the uh, what to dos about the fantasy hockey world. It's been uh, I've never been that disconnected um, from fantasy hockey during the season. Uh, it was I a little jarring, ask, but what it turned it, out okay. I don't feel like I know what you're talking about. What do you mean? You your bags are? Were you on a boat? What what is going on with you? Yeah, I You're went so on mysterious. A, we went on a little uh went on a little cruise on a long weekend here in November. Uh and mm-hmm. it was really nice, but I'm very tired. <laughs> All right. Is your family okay? That sounds so cold to me. I, I'm worried for you. No, everyone's fine. We you know, we got home and had all the usual calamities, you know. Uh you know, the car was dead in the in the parking lot and we had to call AAA and took us longer to get home than we expected and then uh you know the kids slept on the plane so they were up all night it's been uh it's been a real adventure i thought you were on a boat what what is this this is getting back getting back from vacation the harsh slap of reality in our faces Mm -hmm. eight inches of snow on the ground from the 80 degree weather we were enjoying uh dead car i had to grade all my exams and get them in today it's just been an adventure that's all i'm trying to say gotcha well welcome back we're happy to have you great obviously Good to hear. I don't know where you went. You you maintain a level of uh, mystery, which I respect. Uh, Lewis, we have a lot to get to today. Of course, we have to start with the uh, the big news on everyone's mind where uh, in Seattle, where they have waived Magnus Helberg, uh, Elon Dubrovsky, favorite goaltender of all time, perhaps, Magnus Helberg, once again on the market. Uh, this is... Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm bringing this up because Elon loves Magnus Helberg and talks about him on the show. Talked about him on our show a few weeks ago. Elon, I uh, I hope that your boy Magnus finds a home elsewhere, and uh, I bet he has really cool pads wherever he goes. I, I was going to say, as always, it's great news uh, for the equipment heads every time he finds a new locale. Exactly. The real top story on tonight's short shifts, of course, is the Morgan Riley injury today. Uh, the Maple Leafs announced Riley would be heading on to the long-term injured reserve list, meaning he will miss at least 10 games or 24 days uh, away from the active roster. Uh, this came after Riley collided with Kyle Palmieri in the third period the other night, an undisclosed injury. Sheldon Keefe said that he needed some imaging before they were able to give a more concrete timeline. Uh, Riley had been doing pretty well this season, seven points in his last seven games and 16 points through 20 games this season. In his absence, it looks as though Rasmus Sandin is practicing on power play one and seems very likely to get the first look tomorrow night, even though he hasn't been you know, particularly amazing yet to any at any point in his career, only 82 games in. So certainly this could be Sandin's first opportunity to sort of show that he has a little bit more to give at the NHL level. He's still obviously very young. Uh, I am pretty interested in Sandin in deeper leagues right now. I'm not sure he'll get enough even strength ice time to be worth holding in all leagues. But even though the Leafs have been kind of blah this season, they have been great on the power play and Sandin will get a nice opportunity there. 
uh, was also pleasantly surprised to see he's throwing two and a half hits per game this season. So if you are looking for a defenseman off the waiver wire, I'd at least give Sandine some run for a few games. That's where I'm at, at least with the, with this news. Yeah, I think that's the right approach. Uh, worth a look, certainly. Why not give it a shot? Uh, of course, we've seen some of those younger players uh, get power play one opportunity and not do much with it. Um, you know, some that we'll we'll talk about a little bit later on this very show. Uh, but yeah, certainly worth an opportunity. And I think too, maybe interesting with the extra minutes that um, you've been discussing or, or talking about, you know, maybe not getting there with the even strength minutes. I do think Mark Giordano is going to probably see a boost in his ice time uh, to sort of make up for um, Riley's absence. Uh, so that might be interesting too for his rate stats. We'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy who's been floating around at the bottom of rosters in a lot of places. So yeah, I, I, I would grab Sandine if you're interested in maybe getting a, a power play guy to score some points here and there. Uh, worth a shot for sure. Um, let's move from Riley's injury to an upcoming outchery, uh, for Seth Jones, uh, for Chicago. Jones is expected to return for Chicago on Wednesday. Uh, so you officially have permission to drop Caleb Jones if you haven't already. Uh, anyone who grabbed him hoping that he would be effective filling his brother's shoes, uh, that may be a possibility down the road, but we are not there yet. Uh, Caleb was pointless in six games and should be waiver fodder now with his power play one time at an end. Uh, I think if you are a Seth Jones manager, you're probably pretty anxious to get him back in. Uh, not only for his valuable contributions uh, in perifs, but also because, you know, despite Chicago's woes, they have a pretty decent power play this season. Uh, so it'll be good for them, I think, to to get their power play QB back in action. Yeah, maybe a little bit too good for the tanking Blackhawks, in fact. Yeah, always, uh, always unfortunate when uh, your tanking attempts are foiled by uh, a successful power play. Yeah, and Jones is a guy who I think went late enough in uh, in drafts this year that for the most part, it's somebody who is, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity here when he returns. If uh, he didn't really pop off before the injury, he has on pace for about 41 points this season, uh, but, you know, shooting almost three shots a game um, and going to get all the minutes in the world. So definitely somebody who, uh, if you are keen to grab a defenseman and he sort of comes back cold maybe a good trade target that's that's sort of what i would be looking at with seth jones right now yeah good thinking i like it all right we have an another outre that i wanted to talk about in arizona kind of mentioned on the keeping carlson megapod last week but arizona got some reinforcements they'd been missing for almost the entirety of the season uh with nick schmaltz and as well the first uh, the return of Jacob Chikrin, who has been out for the entire uh, 2023 season so far, uh, both joined the team for Monday's shootout loss against Nashville. And though both players went scoreless, it was good to see uh, it was not cardio sessions on either side. Lots of uh, lots of stat sheet filling. Uh, Schmaltz put up five shots in 19 minutes on line one power play one with Clayton Keller and Chikrin played 23 minutes, joined that top power play unit across from Shane Gostisbehere. You know, put up those hits, those shots, those blocks that he is wont to do. Definitely a good sign that the Perifs will return for Jacob. 
Um, looking to Schmaltz, first of all, Mike Cliffy in the Dauber Ramblings today mentioned the Yotes have been scoring 2.2 goals per 60 minutes with Keller on the ice at even strength this season. And that number in the past has been 3.6 goals per 60 when Keller and Schmaltz have been on the ice together. So I'm very excited for what we could see from that pair uh, moving forward. I feel like uh, in particular, you know, Chikrin is rostered in 48% of leagues. That number is probably about right for now, given the offensive struggles he had last year. I think he's definitely somebody you want to have in a deep league or bangers league. Um, but without that offensive touch in more shallow or offensive uh, weighted leagues, Chikrin is, yeah, he should be owned in roughly 40 to 60% of leagues. That makes sense to me. But if you look at the rostered rate uh, of of Nick Schmaltz, 13% seems really low to me coming off a season uh, in which Maltz posted 59 points in 63 games. I don't want people to ignore the free points that could be on the waiver wire right now. He is somebody who could have a huge, huge impact coming out of this injury. If, uh, if he and Keller can find the magic that they had last year, uh, just about a point per game pace. So definitely if you are listening to this right now and Nick Schmaltz is on your waiver wire, I would think uh, I would look at quite a few options in terms of uh, who I might drop in order to get Schmaltz onto the team. Yeah, and I think too, keep in mind uh, we're about you know uh, half of the we're about two weeks left in this extremely long fourteen game road trip uh, that the Yotes have been on, uh, and you know you may have some opportunities here to, especially if they sort of come back flat. Uh, at least for the first few games, uh, another buy low opportunity. I would think I've been I've been keeping my eye on this late November as a time where I might want to send out some feelers on some of these Coyotes, uh, just because uh, soon they'll be uh, in the friendly confines of their uh, new home, uh, and it could be an opportunity for them to be a little bit more productive. Uh, could be a chance for you to get in on the ground floor, as it were. Uh, with some of these players. Chikrin, I would say, uh, on the other hand, maybe as someone who you hope kind of, uh, you know, plays strong, but if he is dealt as many people think that he will be this season, uh, it's hard to imagine that he's going to find a better opportunity uh, than what he's got right now in uh, in Arizona. You know, more likely, to, I think, probably to come into somewhere as a depth piece if someone's adding him. Um, you know, uh, the teams looking to add are not going to be people who are lacking for a power play one quarterback. Uh, unless, perhaps, it could be this next team, because we're going to head over to Minnesota and talk a little bit about uh, some changes the Wild are making to their power play. Uh, the Wild are 19th in the league in goals for per 60 on the power play. Uh, and Kalen Addison has been demoted off of that power play one quarterback position. Uh, you know, he's had six power play assists in 18 games. Uh, and despite, you know, that relative lack of success, the guy that they're replacing him with, Alex Galagoski, I'm not sure that he is going to be the panacea for what ails uh, the Wild right now with the man advantage. Uh, since joining the Wild, his points per 60 on the power play have been half of what Addison has managed so far this year. Uh, and he has been effective on one occasion uh, where his points per 60 have exceeded Addison's, um, but it was just for one season in Arizona, and it was still quite a small sample size. It was actually 15 minutes fewer uh, than Addison has already had on the power play this year, and it required 87% IPP, which I don't think we should expect to get. 
I would not be running out to grab Goligoski or any Minnesota power play QB uh, over the likes of Sandine or the Arizona guys that we've mentioned. Uh, both of those teams are having more success on the power play, uh, and I think the players there are better suited for the role as well. I do feel like probably those Arizona guys are much, much less available. Um, I think maybe even worth mentioning here, Lewis, that uh, it's not as though Addison is being just demoted. He's fully coming out of the lineup and uh, being replaced by Goligoski, who is barely uh, barely in the lineup himself. It, it seems like probably a, a one-in, one-out, I would guess maybe just for a game. Maybe this is an opportunity for Addison to, you know, the uh, the dreaded coach, uh, the, the dreaded press box for a game in order to find his game. Maybe this will allow Addison to come back a little bit stronger. Definitely, I'm not holding him on my roster, uh, waiting for him to do so. But yeah, that's kind of, uh, we'll see how it goes. Goligoski would be a very tough ad, considering, though, that he's barely played this season at all. Yeah, nothing, nothing very appealing out there on the blue line uh, for the wild power play or, or really at even strength either. Yeah, I'd love to see Matt Dumba get up there and, and see if he could do anything. Um, there are, you know, there are options on this team. I don't really understand why they've they've refused to go back to Dumba when he's been a very he's been OK in that role in the past, at least. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, regardless, this is where we are. Uh I hope that the wild can figure something out. Cause it'd be really nice to find a, a power play one option who doesn't stink on the waiver wire. Uh, we are going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we have some streaks to talk about. You're listening to short shifts. Welcome back to short shifts. Lewis, we are pumping through the, <laughs> I don't know why I use that number. <laughs> We're bumping on through the show the show lineup. It's uh it's an important night. Can can people tell that I was asleep twenty minutes ago and that Lewis is uh Lewis is recovering from a several a long weekend cruise uh, who could say no way to know uh no, it's a mystery no yeah one, no one will ever be certain shouts out to our patrons though at the discord group who have helped us uh prep tonight they requested some some uh, players for us to talk about and i'm gonna start with one of those players jordan binnington who has been on fuego in st louis this was requested by uh patron superstar shams uh, weird roller coaster season for Bennington so far. Started real hot, blew it for three sta- straight games, and has since uh, once again gone red hot over his last six starts. Um, looking at a tweet from Lou Korak, uh, Jordan Bennington's last six starts, a 6 0 record, two goals against per game, a 940 save percentage. He stopped 188 of 200 shots over that frame. Uh, on the season now, that leaves Ben with nine wins on 14 games played, a 9-12 save percentage, and a more than 70% or a higher than 70% quality start rate, and nearly three goals saved above average in those 15 games. If anything, when you look under the hood, Bennington is maybe even getting a tad unlucky as his power play save percentage has been particularly lousy power play save or penalty kill save percentage, I should say, uh, which is known to regress uh, pretty pretty regularly towards the mean. Uh, Bennington's even strength save percentage is, is looking pretty sustainable by uh, 
when when looking up against his expected save percentage on natural stat trick, money puck, and uh, and um, evolving hockey. Uh, on aggregate, I think Bennington believers have certainly been borne out through the first quarter of the season. You know, a nine twelve save percentage, Lewis. I'm old enough to remember when that was kind of uh, mediocre. Now it's uh, it's kind of a, a pretty decent mark to, for a, a starting goalie on on an NHL team to put up. So one thing that I'm a little bit worried about, I guess, when I when I do look at Bennington, is that St. Louis looks to be kind of kind of mid this season. They they appear in the bottom half of many even strength defensive metrics. Uh, and the issue with goalies in general is that goalies are gonna goalie. So I'm not. I'm not ready to give any guarantees on Bennington rest of season that he'll he'll maintain this level of play, but I would be holding on rather than trying to sell Bennington for anything if you are worried that he'll completely flatline again. Um, It seems like he, he came to play this season, and I mean, we have... 12 out of 15 games ain't too bad in terms of uh, avoiding those those tough starts. So Jordan Bennington, I begrudgingly respect you uh, in fantasy, though I despise you in real life. Whoops. Yeah, uh, far be it for me to, to indulge in armchair psychology here. And certainly I don't want to do it with Jordan Bennington, uh, whose psychology I think uh, requires experts. But uh, it certainly <laughs> seems like with Huso and Lindgren out of the picture and not sort of peering over his shoulder, uh, he feels like he can be more relaxed and he doesn't feel like his his job security uh, is threatened. So even when he has those three crummy games in a row, he can still he can still come back uh, and kind of do things right. You know, it seems like maybe he um, uh, blew off some steam uh, with his his uh, I don't know behavior during some of those losses and seems to have now gotten his head on right and is doing what his owners uh, expected and hoped that he would be able to do. Let's uh, jump over to another hot streak requested by patron Nolan M. Jordan Eberle, uh, five points in the last three games, 15 points in 18 games on the season, uh, just has really been a nice option there for the Kraken. Um, you know, I don't know if I have a whole lot to say about him. If he's available, I think he is certainly worth grabbing. He's shown sustainability, uh, at least so far in the season. Um, just doing some quick model math there, but that's, uh, that's gotta be close to, you know, 65 point pace, maybe. Uh, you can run the numbers on that for me, but yeah, I think that's sort of what we were hoping to see from Eberly, and he has, you know, been consistently seeing nice deployment. Uh, so way to go, Jordan. Uh, I think that was what some people sort of hoped to see last year, and maybe he and the rest of the Kraken are sort of getting their legs under themselves. Uh, in this new season, uh, playing a little bit more competently uh, to get the year started. Um, yeah, a very nice addition if you picked up Jordan Eberle. Definitely a little bit worried about um, about Eberle's underlyings here. Um, nothing too, too wild. Like the shooting percentage is, a, is probably three points high. Uh, the on-ice shooting percentage at five on five is is a bit high. And just based on his his career history his ipp also seems a bit high so i definitely am not expecting eberly to come out he he is at a, a 68 point excuse me a 68 point pace on the season um perhaps the most worrisome thing for eberly is the shot rate is down below two shots per game for the first time in his career so i'm uh i think i'll i would take closer to a 60 percent or 60 point pace for eberly uh it's um yeah, it's I don't know. I'm I'm definitely not too bullish on the kid. And the other thing with Everly, 
His uh, time on ice is down about a minute and 40 seconds uh, over last year. So, yeah, not too. I'm not too bullish on, on Jordan Ebbs. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Uh, certainly, I think, um, yeah, the minutes may be a bit concerning. It does seem like they've spread things out a little bit more, but uh, at least he's being a little bit more productive uh, with the opportunities that he's had. You know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting you go out and trade somebody uh, to grab him, but, you know, uh, credit where it's due. Off to a nice start here. All right, I'm going to take us over to San Jose, where uh, producer John Reed is, uh, you know, a big fan of the the next guy we're going to mention. That's Logan Couture, back at it again, six points in his last four games played, and 10 points over his last nine. Uh, Couture, I think the most notable thing about Logan Couture, rostered in just one-third of Yahoo Leagues. I got him off the waiver wire in the couple three weeks ago now, and he has been amazing for me uh in the nine games since i picked him up those 10 points i mentioned he's been shooting over three shots per game 21 hits in that span playing 20 minutes a night getting first power play run with timo ek65 the whole gang uh on the season Couture now has 10 goals and 17 points in 21 games that's a 66 point pace uh just a touch behind your boy jordan eberly there lewis um a nice little bounce back season for Couture, uh who is certainly shooting way too high uh a 23 percent personal shooting percentage i'd expect that to drop off to around 14 percent uh once the season you know towards the end of the season once regression hits a little bit what is interesting though is couture seems to have struggled um or you know kind of caught the uh, the same struggles that most players had upon returning from the global series games to kick off the season for san jose and nashville to the point where his full season shot rate, even though he's been shooting over three shots a game for about half the season, which would be, you know, a nice bounce back for him over the last few years, his his full season shot rate is still basically a career low at 2.1. So it's it's very good to see that shot rate tick up over the last few weeks. Um, still, Couture is on pace right now for about 40 goals. I don't really think that's likely, given the uh, the shooting percentage. I think the goal totals will fall off. He's probably more like a 30-goal scorer if, uh, if he maintains on that top unit. Um, and I think the power play will also mitigate some of those goal losses. And uh, what he stands likely to lose in goals, I see him kind of making up in, in power play assists. So rest of season, I, I like Couture as putting up around the 60 to 65 point full season pace we're seeing and continuing to be a solid producer in deeper 12 or 14 team leagues. Definitely worth snapping up in more leagues than he is currently rostered. Yeah, I think you you love to see, you know, obviously we're seeing uh, maybe a little bit more success from the Sharks than we maybe expected. Certainly uh, Carlson uh, playing up to his potential has really been a big part of that. I don't know if I'm sold on Logan Couture, 30-goal scorer after what we've seen the last few seasons, um, but he does have these opportunities. I'm just maybe a little more skeptical. I would be I'd be very happy for him uh, if he hit 30 goals. I think um, that might be a little bit on the high end for me, but uh, I like the opportunity. I just feel like his his even strength deployment is is not so appealing, uh, and that's got me a little more a little more bearish on him perhaps than you are. Yeah, I think what I really like here is the shot rate. Uh, just seeing the the three shots per game makes me think that he could get up to the uh, the goal scoring that he was getting, and and the power play also just turning things around. It just uh, I don't think we've seen a a Sharks power play that that 
made me think that <laughs> that its peripheral players were able to to put up gaudy or point totals not that 60 is gaudy but i yeah i think that this could be sort of the 30 goal 35 assist type of season that uh that we haven't seen from couture in a few years yeah i I think considering what we sort of expected from the sharks at the beginning of the season i would call 65 points for couture uh, reasonably gaudy i think that's uh that's on the upper end of expectations so yeah great for him if i if he can keep it up and obviously uh great for the sharks unless they were hoping for a big tank uh, let's move on to our final player of the night, uh, and it is a cold streak, and it is from Carter Hart. So as good as Jordan Binnington has been over the last six, uh, that is how bad Hart has been over his last six outings. Hart really had a brilliant start to the season. Seven quality starts in his first eight opportunities after everyone sort of saw Philadelphia as uh, a very frightening place to maybe try to roster players. Um, but he's really crashed back to earth after that great start. No quality starts. One really bad start, meaning uh, 8.50 save percentage or less in his last six outings. Uh, you know, obviously, I think there are some factors that are outside of Hart's control. Um, you know, uh, his suffers or his numbers. I'm sorry, have really suffered along with the Flyers' injury woes. Um, you know, I don't think that Carter Hart is going to be that ice in his veins slayer from the start of the season, but you know, he's not going to be that guy any more than he's going to be the wreck that he's been lately. Uh, I do think it's best to temper your expectations on Hart's performance until they start to get some of those important pieces back from injury. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for him to get those wins. Uh, and I think his rates, you know, will be below sort of what we, we hope, you know, he can regress towards, um, until we start to see uh, some of those important players start to make their return to the lineup. So if you are in a, uh, in a league with Carter Hart as your goalie, he's got six wins in 14 games, a 920 save percentage still. I mean, I've got to think that the, the full season numbers are still painting a very decent photo. Are you trying to trade Carter Hart or are you holding on, hoping that he sort of bridges the gap between these two extremes? Yeah, I don't think it makes sense to try to sell him now for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Uh, I think you should, you know, uh, just hang on to him. I think, I think he does have a, a rebound in store. I just think it's going to be delayed somewhat, uh, or maybe not as pronounced as it would be, um, because the Flyers are dealing with some of these mounting injuries. It's not a, a, you know, Columbus situation, at least not quite yet. Um, but certainly, uh, it's going to make it hard to, you know, pull off some of those W's when you are, um, uh, playing with, with so many of your key pieces out. So Hart was like pretty mid to bad the last like two full seasons. Is there a particular reason why you're, you're feeling as though, uh, he'll definitely bounce back from this skid and, and that it's not, you know, the new standard for him? You know, I, he's a very young guy. He's somebody who has a high pedigree, someone that we've, you know, heard for a while, you know, is, is going to maybe take some time to put it all together. I think he's been thrown to the wolves a little earlier, uh, than we expect most goalies, uh, to be able to kind of be fully mature enough to handle. I, I, I suppose the one thing that does have me sort of concerned, like you are, Ben, would be that, um, you know, we may find ourselves in a situation where, uh, the Flyers are kind of in fire sale mode. And instead of talking about players who are injured, we're talking about players who are being traded away. Uh, and that's obviously a more permanent situation. So that could be something that is worrisome. Um, 
But, you know, he, he, what he showed us at the start of the season, uh, on a team that we all sort of expected to be pretty bad, uh, was that he was capable. And so I don't think that these last six games are indicative of what the future is going to be, uh, moving forward in its entirety. Um, I do think that he can perform better than what we've seen. And like you said, even with the struggles that he's had, he's still at a 920 average, which is well above the league average. Um, so I think that, you know, we're going to see, um, uh, better than you know these these games where he's putting up an eight fifty. Yeah, I I definitely hear you, and I I'm open to Carter Hart being good this year. Uh, but eight games to start this year, it's not going to erase sort of the memory I have of Hart for the last couple seasons. It's much easier for me to see the early season as the blip. Um, so yeah, I think, and like especially where the team is bad. Uh, so if I have Carter Hart on a fantasy team. I would be trying to sell before that 920 goes any lower. Uh, you mentioned pennies on the dollar, but I mean, if you drafted Carter Hart and he put up a 920 over, and you were told that he would put up a 920 over the first 14 games of the season, I feel like you'd be feeling pretty good about grabbing that goaltender uh, in your like last round or whatever. Like he was going so, so low in draft. So yeah, I think uh, if you could turn Carter Hart into a... Um, maybe a goalie with more like nine thirteen numbers on a on a team that gets wins, like a, jo- a Jordan Binnington save percentage on a team that's likely to win rest of the season. That would be much more interesting to me than Carter Hart, who I think is going to be a tough hold in a lot of leagues. Uh, if he can't find a way to drag the uh, the Flyers to wins uh, the rest of the way. Sure. Well, and that's that's like dollars on the dollar, right? So I'm into that idea. Uh, you're just hoping that your trade partner is not looking, you know, uh, at not having too much a recency bias and is capable of taking a, a pretty long view. All right, Lewis, that is all the time that we have for tonight's show. Great to see you, my friend. You are not going to be with me on Thursday. You'll be celebrating the uh, Thanksgiving holiday in the States. I'll be joined by a good pal of the show, Elon. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for hanging out with me. And I look forward to having you back next week. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks so much. And thanks, everybody uh, who joined us on the Twitch stream. Thanks, everybody who is listening to us on the Keeping Carlson feed. Uh, please give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Also, definitely recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL. All organized very nicely at the site GameDayLineTweets.com. Uh, please visit that site and the other great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and John Reed is our digital media producer. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.